Wait, what's going on? Nick Kirby here, and welcome to Chatterbox Reds, proudly sponsored by DSC Commodities. Well, happy pitchers and catchers. Reporting day on Tuesday. It is an exciting time to be a baseball fan, and more importantly, a Reds fan. Uh, coming up in just a minute, myself and Trace Fowler, we talked about the start of spring for the Reds, some of the news, notes, and storylines surrounding the team, and I was also able to interview Reds TV broadcaster Chris Welsh, the crafty lefty. Got to interview him live from the Reds Complex in Goodyear, Arizona on Tuesday. Pitchers and catchers reporting today. Doesn't get much better than that. You'll really enjoy that interview with Chris coming up at the end of today's podcast. Before we get to all that, I want to make sure I tell you about our proud sponsor. That is Deep South Commodities. DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuels production specializing in used cooking oil collection, aggregation, and sales, visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. Thanks so much, as always, to our friends at DSC. And premiering on Thursday, I'll be starting a new series. going to preview each of the Reds' NL Central rivals, and we'll start this off with a really good one as I was able to interview Brewers TV play-by-play announcer Jeff Levering so look for that in your podcast feed on Thursday morning. I think you'll really enjoy that conversation, get to know a little bit more about the Milwaukee Brewers. All right, well, here's myself and Trace Fowler. This is from Chatterbox Reds Live on YouTube late on Tuesday night. And then coming up a little later, of course, my interview with Chris Welsh. Pitchers and catchers reported today, Nick. And uh, it's been a long day, I got to be honest. But I came downstairs, and it's something about this the confines of the basement. You know, it's just like, ah... This is actually kind of nice. I'm looking forward to this. How are you, Nick? I'm good. We had a jam-packed day uh, on, on Chatterbox today. We had Off the Bench. There was a video game stream. Uh, we had uh, a high school basketball game, Chatterbox <laughs> Bearcats. Now Chatterbox Reds this is the place to be. That's right. And there's a good chance we met with a golf course today. A uh, good chance that we find uh, find ourselves covering a golf tournament at some point as well. So who knows? Chatterbox Sports, never know what you're going to find yourself into uh, here. First and foremost, though, we have the Reds, some MLB news, and certainly uh, right after that, we're going to get into the whole Solaire versus Candelario because you know that's going to be the take all year long. You know that's going to come up. If Candelario plays great, it's going to be how smart Nick Crawl is. If, if Candelario doesn't play great and Jorge Soler is hitting bombs in San Francisco, Everybody in Cincinnati is going to be like, look, we could have had that guy. We could have had that guy. Um, how you feeling, Nick? You feeling good about uh, the, the, the offseason so far and the MLB news that surrounds, uh, I guess, somewhat pertaining to the Reds, but more importantly, I guess, the news that just broke with Solaire? Yeah, you know, look, it's exciting pitchers and catchers. I mean, I know it's it's not really all that that big of a deal, but, uh, you know, just just the, uh, the start of spring. Um, I think once we get to like that first spring training and that's when I really kind of, you know, feel the energy. Uh, I didn't realize how long spring training was till I did a podcast after every game last year. That's right. Uh, it is long. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, look, it's exciting to, to, to get the, the ball rolling. And um, yeah, I, I got some, some news and notes. I know we haven't done a, a live show in a little bit. Uh, we did have a, a little special show last week with, uh, Seth Reese and some jerseys, but just to kind of fill people in, this was today, though, actually. Uh, Reds claim Bubba Thompson. He's just been <laughs> bouncing around the, the DFA wire. Reds must like something about old Bubba. I don't I don't know if I see it, but uh, good for them. Uh, I was a little surprised, you know, they DFA'd Levi Stout. More just surprised that they DFA'd Levi Stout for a guy they had already DFA'd. That, that's just, I, I don't know, maybe he went to, got to camp and they're like, yeah, this is just not going to work. Um, I'm not really sure on that. Uh, India, of course, signing the the right. two year deal, avoiding arbitration. That was the big news of the week. Uh, Josh Harrison signing an MILB, and then the the Brewers they they were a little busy. Um, some some nice signings by them, I I have to say. Uh, not not like you know elite players by any means, but nice right. fits for them personally. Um, Gary Sanchez, big right handed bat that crushes left handed pitching, and then uh, Jacob Junis, kind of a a Nick Martinez type pitcher for them uh, that they'll be able to use in a, a couple different roles. Trace, any uh, any of the the news of recency uh, uh, 
tickle your fancy? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I don't think so, man. I mean, listen, Josh Harrison, that's a cute little thing. I, I, I and who knows? Maybe you just never know. I mean, Nick, Nick Martini would not have took. What you, what's the term you just used? Tickle my fancy. Uh, that's an interesting one. I gotta admit, that's got that got that kind of got me off my game a little bit. I was like, whoa, Nick, tickling my fancy, everybody. Um, anyways, um, uh, what were you even talking about? You got me all disheveled here. Um, anyway, uh, Harrison, yeah, if, if Nick. If, if if you would have said, hey, we got Nick Martini, I don't think that would have tickled my fancy last year at any point until he started to do uh, Nick Martini things. And then and then I would have been like, yeah, this is great. So who knows? I'm not I'm not discounting at this point anybody. OK, I'm going into spring training with a clean sheet. Certainly, I'm going to have perceptions of certain guys. OK, um, I'm going to have perceptions of certain guys, but I'm going to try my very best to just treat everybody equal. I'm going to watch the games. I'm going to get a feel for it. I'm going to try. I'm going to do my best to not really have any hot takes, no toxic trace for the first two weeks of baseball. Okay, the first two weeks after opening day, I'm going to let it breathe a little bit, see what we got, and then go from there. Okay, that's what I'm going to try to do. And I said this earlier, and I hope this is the case. I hope the Reds, and people will think that this is crazy, and this is the, oh, well, hot take from Trace. I hope the Reds put whoever seemingly seems to be the best player at that time on the field for the Cincinnati Reds. I think we're at that point now where we should do that. We can do that. And you know what? If Blake, if Blake Dunn tears it up in it's spring training, I don't want this to be a Matt McClain situation. I don't want to sit here and be like, this guy looks pretty damn good, Nick. I know he hit 230 for 400 at-bats in double-A, but I don't know. He looked like he might be the best player in spring training, and he's tearing it up in triple-A. Maybe he should be on the big league team. And then I don't know. Magically, this team just gets a bunch of these young guys, and the next thing you know, we're fighting for a playoff spot at the end of the year, and you look back, and you're like, well, they started 7-15 and 15 because we had uh, Kevin Newman playing shortstop and Jonathan Indy at second. I don't know. Probably could have had some maybe better opportunities with the other guys. So that's where I'm at. Not having Kevin Newman on the roster is just really gives you a breath of fresh air going into oh, this boy. spring, doesn't it? Nothing's better. I tell you what, the only thing that I've seen of Kevin Newman's that I even considered possibly keeping for the rest of my life were the fact that he had uh, baseball cleats at Reds Fest for $10. And it wasn't it wasn't because I wanted his autographed cleats. It was because they were the same size as mine. And I was thinking, you know what? Am I ever going to have to go back on the diamond because I might be able to use some cleats? And they're only 10 bucks. But you know what? I decided not to because they were Kevin Newman's. Anyways, go ahead. Chat, I want to know, who will Trace's Kevin Newman be this year? Ooh. I am ready for some ideas. <laughs> uh, I I don't want to make it a poll question because I, I think there's I want to hear everyone's uh, opinion on this. So uh, uh, there's there's a lot of options. There's a lot of options out there. I you know what I don't, I hate that it always turns into me always feeling like I'm ripping on him. I just I mean come on, for the love of God, he's gonna he's gonna, he's gonna be like a four win player for the Diamondbacks this year. Yeah, well. No, he won't. <laughs> no, 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 he won't. Okay. I mean, if you, I'll tell you this. If the Diamondbacks think they're getting a four-win player, how about this? A one-win player out of Kevin Newman? <laughs> you got something. I got some uh, some land to sell you, as they say. Um, anyways, I, I thought, uh, but to be clear, I know you already talked about this. Most people that watch this show know ball really, really well. That's why I love the chats, because the chat actually keeps you updated. Uh, David said something earlier that Reed Mouse actually told me um, earlier today as well, which was that there hasn't been a giant since Barry Bonds that have hit 30 home runs for the San, uh, San Francisco um, Giants. I've just said Giants twice, but you get my point. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy to hit for power out in San Francisco. Um, Buster Posey obviously was was a part of that uh, situation after Barry Bonds left, so you'd have thought, oh, hey, didn't he hit 30? They're, they actually, if you look back at their team, uh, they don't really have a lot of guys that hit over 20 home runs. Now, some of that's based off the players that they've had, yes, but in general, we'll see. Um, but that doesn't mean, I guess my point to that is, it doesn't mean that Solaire wouldn't have been great in Cincinnati either, though. So if Solaire would have signed with Cincinnati, we would have been fired up. Um, but we have Candelario, and I, and I think that there's a valid reason as to why, but I kind of want to hear your, your take on it first. Yeah, look, I was all about Jorge Solaire, so I mean, I'm not going to back down now. I, I, I like Candelario. Um, I, I think I would have preferred Solaire if it was 
you know, up to me, especially since the dollars are so eerily similar. Uh, Reds actually paid $3 million more. Uh, I, I just think Soler has a lot higher upside. Um, I feel like Candelar is definitely the safer player um, because if Soler doesn't hit well, uh, there's not a whole lot of value because he can't play defense um, at all. Uh, he's primarily a DH. So Candelaria does give the Reds a lot more flexibility. Um, I, I think what can really make me on the side of going Candelario is the right move is how they use everyone else. How do they use Jonathan India? How do they use right. Spencer Steer? Um, that, because the, the one thing that I was kind of thinking, I was thinking about this kind of a lot today, is, all right, I really like Solaire, but if you if you bring Solaire, then you're probably making Steer in India one of the one of the two probably ends up having to play a lot more infield it, it, because it's not not even like on the opening day lineup, but when there's an injury, there's not the depth, so you're going to have to shift them in. So not only would you have Solaire either hogging the DH spot or being a poor defender in the corner outfield, you also have one of those two in the infield being a poor defender as well. So it's kind of like you're weakening two spots defensively. So that's where Candelario can maybe, uh, you know, make up that, 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 that offensive lacking, or at least the power. Um, but it'll be a fun thing to track. It's, 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 it's just crazy that they ended up with contracts that are so close to each other. But somebody just mentioned that they could have gotten maybe both the guys. Well, the problem with that is ultimately at the end of the day, you know, there's only so many roster spots. I think that this Reds franchise right now, uh, they, they feel a little obligated, uh, some obligation to give some of these younger guys that they kind of uh, rushed isn't the right word, but gave opportunities last year in the big leagues, and they didn't do anything in their in in their short time with this with this team to prove that they shouldn't be considered a big leaguer and they shouldn't be able to be given opportunities to be a big leaguer. And if you bring in, you know, and listen, this is professional sports. By all means, I just said play the best player. If, if you can get the best player, who cares at the end of the day if you get opportunities or not? If you're not one of the better players, then so be it. Um, but I do think a guy like Spencer Steer, right, it, it would be really hard to get in a position where for lack of a better term, if you went out and got Candelario and you did get Solaire, and let's just say um, I'm trying to, there aren't there aren't any injuries, and on top of that, even if there are some injuries in certain spots, Steer still still is maybe the odd man out. And if it's not Steer, then then it's Will Benson. If it's not Will Benson, then maybe it's Drake Fraley. Or if it's not, then where do you do? What do you do with Jonathan India? Like if Jonathan India would have gotten moved right by now. You can make the case that there's still another relatively flexible everyday spot. I put that in quotations because every day I think David Bell at this point has already said, now whether or not it's true or not has to be determined, but he's already said that, hey, he's going to try to rotate 11 guys on an everyday day-to-day you know, day -day basis. Soler is a guy that swings and misses a lot, but does have a lot of pop. If Christian Encarnacion Strand doesn't play up to the potential that we hope him to, I think that then we're going to start looking out in San Francisco if, if Solier is having a decent year, and we're going to start to be a little, not upset, but we're going to be like, we wish we had him, right? If if CES is hitting 40, 40 and I, I don't want to put this on him, but 40, 45, heaven forbid, 50 home runs, um, I know, that's a little ridiculous, but you know, I like I love it. Who knows? What, I mean, I don't know. Um Let's just say he does do that. Then at that point, you're just going to look at it and be like, well, we, are, we already got a DH because more than likely, in my opinion, they're going to try to put CES at the DH spot more times than not if they're, if they're able to, if, the, if injuries don't play a factor into this. Um, and, then, and they're going to ride with that. And I think that uh, Candelaria offers them what you had said. It offers them more flexibility than, than anything else. And, you know, does he have the same pop that, that uh, Solaire has? No. Um, but being a guy that, that ultimately might not be a platoon player, um, and he can play first and third base, hopefully he plays, he continues to play at an above-average level. Um, you know, we'll see. It, it, it's, can we at least all admit that, we, that it's speculation at this point, one way or the other? Like, we don't really know. I mean, these guys have proven that they're big league players. The question is, is what do they do now? It's also possible Soler had no interest in Cincinnati. I mean, we don't know that, but right. um, 
well, dollars and cents matter. Dollars and cents matter. I mean, I'm sure if the Reds offer two extra million dollars per year on that contract, he'd 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 he'd, he'd grow to like Skyline Chili. But I, I agree completely. I think CES is the uh, is the gauge for really if if this is probably even more than Candelaria because if he if he hits for power, there's not really a great fit for for Solaire. Um, I, I agree that I think the Reds will try to DH CES more than probably anyone else, but I, I would not be surprised. And I think people need to, to watch this early in the year. I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Reds DH Ellie and they DH McLean, um, and they DH, um, um, you know, some of these other guys, some of these younger guys more early in the year, more than you would think just to kind of give them that, that like half rest day. Uh, so I, I think they'll be really using that DH to, to, I think you're going to see, I would be shocked if there's like 12 guys that, that, that play DH this year. Yeah. I think they'll, I think they'll really use that a lot and try to use that to their advantage. They might have 12, but, 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 and, and I mean, I know you're not saying this, but ultimately most of it is going to lie within a few guys and, and, and they might try to give guys day off and next thing you know, randomly Jonathan India's DH in and maybe based off of a matchup in, in a perfect world, they're going to DH Fraley. Um, or, or Benson, I don't know. I don't know who's better. I mean, you might know this off the top of your head, but I don't know who's better defensively, theoretically, based off the metrics. Sometimes, I, and I love Will Benson to death, but sometimes he looks like a, you know, basically a baby deer out there trying to track down balls. And, and he catches them, you know, most of the time. I'm not downplaying, but it doesn't look the prettiest. Fairly is significantly better, and I, I think it also, uh, another good hint about how the Reds feel about this is, uh, if you look back through the game logs last year, uh, whenever Will Benson and Jake Fraley were in the field in the same on the same day, Fraley played right field and Benson played left field. So yeah. typically, you know, you're you're going to put your better fielder in right field. Uh, uh, but yeah, they, they might DH Fraley a lot too, just just to kind of you know uh, try to just has, has had so many injuries. Um, you know, even even if he is the better defender, you know, I just be like, you know, we want to DH him every couple games so we keep mm-hmm. him fresh. And we just, you know, uh, don't risk a lot because Jake Frilly is a huge piece just because uh, his ability to really hit right-handed pitching. Um, I think there's a lot of guys on this this Reds roster that hit right-handed pitching well last year that I could see regressing against right-handed pitching. And, and that's, a, that's a, a, a small concern for me going into this year. But you hope guys like Ellie, you hope CES, who, who's it, it doesn't really have any sort of splits at all, you hope just those two guys right there, their their presence, and I guess Will Benson for a full season, kind of mm-hmm. make up some of that regression from guys that that you might see like like McLean Steer. Um, those guys hit really really well against right handed pitching, and and I that might be the one piece that I I could see um, regressing from each of those guys. Yeah. I, I, the um, I know this isn't really on topic. Um, the one, the one situation where Harrison, you know, may maybe a pretty good depth piece is just the fact of what happens if there's some guys that that that, for lack of a better term, regress and they they regress significant enough to where you start to kind of have to give them a break or give them a um, kind of a, a send them down to bring them back up type situation. Um, listen, sports are baseball, especially such a long season that it's hard for me to believe that 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 really all of these rookies aren't going to go through stretches of baseball where we're going to question whether or not David Bell needs to give them a break or send them down. Hell, it happened almost last season with guys that we still were proud about at the end of the year. And Will Benson's a guy that obviously got sent down, and he came back. T.J. Friedel's a guy that that obviously hung around for quite some time, but he had some injuries here and there. Uh, Jake Fraley's injured here and there. Um, So it is a long season. Jake Fraley, though, as a reminder... Uh, for those that forget, probably our best hitter for most of the season until he got hurt, and then certainly he fell off a cliff. I mean, there's nothing else to say other than that. If you, if you, and then again, if you back out, you could do this for a lot of guys. To be fair, if you back out certain parts of the season, which where you could say that Jake Fraley was hurt, uh, I would argue that he was probably our best hitter, uh, most consistent hitter, and. You know, Jonathan India obviously uh, could also, at times, look the part as well. But again, 
it comes down to consistency and are you going to be able to stay healthy? And I think even India, to a certain extent, whether he was... India dropped off for a minute, but then obviously he went on the DL for quite some time. And then when he came back, he was serviceable again. So, I don't know. Um, are you concerned about injuries much? I mean, I, I, you're obviously, you always mention injuries in regards to the depth, this, that, and the other. But think about all the guys last year that, that missed some time, right? And I'm not saying these guys need to play 162 straight games, but um, you could probably help me through all this right now off the top of my head. But you have Matt McLean, who obviously missed some time. You have CES who missed some time last year from not at the big league level per se, but at the minor league level, he missed time. Noelve Marte missed time. Um, you have TJ Friedel who missed time. You have Jake Fraley who missed time. You have Jonathan Indy. I don't know if I already said him. He missed time. Um, you know, I could be funny here. I'm not going to try to be, but Kirk Casale missed some time. Um, you know, Newman had, he had some Tums problems as we all remember. So, and obviously the starting pitching rotation was a nightmare as well. Like, who's that on? Is that just baseball in general? Am I naive? I don't watch enough baseball to know the other the other kind of teams per se. But is that normal? Or is this a, like, fluke? Or is there something that the Reds, I, and I don't want to go down that path, but is there something the Reds are doing that maybe they could not do? I don't know, but. The Reds' injury situation last year was weird because their bullpen stayed eerily healthy like most teams bullpens don't stay as healthy as the reds stayed i mean diaz sims jabot farmer like they were pretty much healthy the entire season and that's not normal your relievers are the ones who constantly are, are getting hurt you're 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 and um so i i i kind of expect maybe that is what swings back and uh that that could be a concern that that might be you know, the one piece right right now we're going into spring training and, and people are worried. Oh, my gosh, Fernando Cruz isn't going to be left off the opening day roster. And I'm like, I, I mean, he there'll be spots. But um, but but there is that depth to where like guys like Cruz and Anton aren't guaranteed a bullpen spot. But I think that's the one spot where I could see all this depth right now by the time we get into May and June that is completely gone and there's they're having to to call up some guys to, to just fill those back end of the bullpen spots that we're not even anticipating right now so I, i'm not really worried about it too much with the starting rotation i'm not really worried about it too much with position players um but i i, I think the bullpen would be the one just it just feels like almost the pendulum is just bound to kind of swing back the other way there yeah I'm not worried about Cruz. The other thing, too, is if, you know, listen, they can say whatever they want, and they might not value spring training a ton, but if Fernando Cruz goes out and shoves during spring training, like, he was one of their high-leverage arms at the end of the year. I'm not worried about all that. Uh, it'll all uh, sort itself out. The, the, the problem, though, is is your, your bullpen right now, Alexis Diaz and Sam Moore are the only ones that have options. Pagan, Sims, Jabot, Suter, Farmer, None of those guys have options. Farmer. And just, yeah. well, I mean, you, you we can like scoff at Farmer, but the Reds did actually sign him to a big league contract for, I think, $1.2 million. I just have a hard time believing the Reds are going to sign a guy to a $1.2 million contract. And unless he's completely awful in spring and just looks lost, I have a hard time seeing not, not seeing him get on the roster, even if it is sacrificing a guy like Cruz or Antone. Um, that has options just to to keep him and 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 try to get through the season, but yeah. I don't think it's going to be a problem. <laughs> I, I would be shocked if I would be shocked if there's not a spot for Fernando Cruz at the end of spring. Well, we'll find out. I mean, that's the good news. Uh, spring training. There was people asking. We do plan to go out to spring training. I'm trying to work out some some details on that right now with a couple brands trying to make sure that you know we're not losing money when we go out there so we'll keep we'll keep you up to date on on kind of what that looks like um the goal is to go out there do our best to cover as much reds uh spring training as we possibly can and then uh head back so the uh good news is the two dates that uh two of the two of the dates that we plan to be out there for are the uh the prospect games so i don't know how many people seen that during 
the uh, the offseason, but MLB, for those that don't know, they decided they wanted to have each of the teams in Major League Baseball have a day during spring training where they had to put their top prospects on the field against another organization's top prospects, and they would obviously play in a game. The Reds, luckily, um, just because math has to math, and they needed um, they needed a team to play twice. Uh, I think there's two teams in Major League Baseball that had to play twice, and the Reds are one of them. They play um, they play the Rangers off the top of my head. This is off the top of my head. They play the Rangers, I believe, and they also play the Indians, I believe. Um, don't hold me to that, but I do know they play two prospect games, and the goal is to be out there for both of those. Um, more or less, listen, when we got the spring training, you know, we, we obviously want to cover the big league guys as much as we possibly can as well and, and keep everybody updated. And we know that, hey, essentially, if it's not getting live streamed or if it's not obviously broadcasted on Bally from a spring training perspective, then maybe we go rogue and, you know, and I say rogue in a, in a general sense, but we go out there and we try to make sure that we get live at bats of obviously the top guys and then we can we can share those so people get to see, you know, what those at bats look like. But, but more importantly, I guess is what I'm getting at is that, you know, we want to, we want to try to make sure that we cover as many of these guys that are up and coming that really never get covered and you never get good quality video of them playing for the most part. And we'll try to get as many interviews as we possibly can as well, if that's a thing. But we, we, at this time, at least up to my knowledge, I know Nick, maybe, maybe my more privy to this information than me, um, at least to this knowledge, we're up in the air on kind of where we stand with some of that, but, um, but that's the plan for spring training for those that are asking. I do have one other uh, kind of fun, interesting topic. I saw Alex point this out in the chat. I know a lot of people, this has been a, a concern going into the year is the the concern about the lack of center field depth. I don't know if I, I share that that same concern as everyone else. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm a big believer in TJ Friedel. Um, I think Stuart Fairchild is fine as, as the backup. But I also think that that like Jacob Herdeby, I just don't think his floor is very low. Like I think if he has to come up and play center field for a while, I think he's going to be fine. And then Blake Dunn as well has more upside. Um, I, I just I think there's a lot more depth there, and, and it might not be players that have major league experience, but I, I think there's more depth there than than, than it might be perceived. I, listen, I don't, I don't. I think TJ Friedel is is as big of an X factor as anybody on this team. He's as big of a question mark as there anybody is on this team. I'd, I'd say he's just as big of a question mark to me as, he, as as Tyler Stevenson. And oddly enough, in the chat, John points out it's kind of funny how last season at this time, you know, we were we were talking about how Tyler Stevenson was going to be a three hole hitter, and uh, he's going to be the anchor in this lineup, and 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 that and that is. To a certain extent, that's where you try to temper your expectations on everything to a certain extent because you just know inevitably looking back at all the things that you thought were going to happen inevitably never actually end up happening at all. Um, and last year's a perfect example of all that in a positive way, by the way. Uh, in fact, if we want to r- kind of reminisce on what we were talking about last year to, to now to this year is, you know, a lot of what our conversations surrounded themselves around was let's just hope that these young guys come up and they get a lot of opportunities, and we get a chance to kind of see who they are and what they do. And at the end of the year, we're not super excited because Will Myers had a career year. We're not super excited that, you know, and again, I, I don't mean to keep bringing his name up and, and making fun, but like even the Nick Senzel or Kirk Sally. Now, these all might be laughable names that I'm saying right now. Kevin Newman. If those guys had career years, if you call it that, it would be a lot. It'd be a lot more disappointing because ultimately, yeah, it's great that they helped the Reds out, but we know that's not a part of the future. The good news is, is we we got everything we wanted last year. We really did. I mean, if 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 you if you could have laid out last season the way that it went down, outside of making the postseason, yes, which is absurd to say because we were expected to win sixty four and a half games. Um, I just I don't want to say sixty five because that's not doing it justice. Um, they're supposed to win 64 and a half games and and we're sitting here and we had the we had the opportunity like it or not to get to the postseason and it didn't happen but they were right there so it went about as perfect as it could nick well you could check the, the tape I, I i know i said i i think you kind of shared the sentiment i think our biggest hope for the year was that we figured out what we have and the reds pretty well figured out what they have now now look there's still questions about like Noel V. Marte, but 
we were hoping you didn't get to the end of the year and you're like, well, maybe Matt McLean's a big leaguer. Maybe Will Benson's a big leaguer. Maybe Ellie, you know, like these guys all at least have proven to this point that they're big leaguers. We don't have any of those questions. Um, and, and so that was the, the biggest, I think, goal was, was for me at least, was just being able to sort these guys out. And uh, I feel like that that piece of it went way farther than I ever even really could have realistically hoped going into the year. Yeah. Um, Resident 4 brought bad news into the chat. He said Kurt Casale has signed with the Miami Marlins. So uh, at least, you know, for, for, for Kurt and his family, congratulations to him. Um, I'm sure living in Miami could be a slight upgrade than having to be in Cincinnati as a third string catcher. Um, you want to put odds on whether or not Kirk Caselli makes the opening day roster for the Marlins? Their catching situation was bad last year. I mean, they, 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 you thought, you think Tyler Stevenson was a bad hitter last year? Whew. Uh, Kirk Kirtle. I didn't say he was a bad hitter. I, I said that comp, the combination between what he was doing at the plate to what he was doing behind the plate was the problem. Yeah. How about how about the the Nationals? How about the Reds possibly opening up with Nixon Zell and Jesse? I'm Winker a little worried about that. Day. If we're being honest, I'm a little worried about Nixon Zell. Nixon Zell, like it or not, is a good revenge player. I've never seen I've I've actually never seen a player be on the same team as his team and hit a revenge home run against his team. I've never actually seen that happen. And Nick Nixon Zell did it. He he was the first player in Major League history. To hit a revenge home run against the actual team that he was playing for, not against. Usually you got those fat slobs named Mike Moustakis who come into town and they just somehow, with their big old round belly like Santa Claus, find a way to poke their bat out there and hit one over the fence. And that happened to us, let's not forget. Uh, Mike Moustakis hits a home run. That's usually how it goes down. Nixon Zell, where was that? I believe that was in Kansas City, right? That was in Kansas oh, City. Ar- it was Arizona. A- Arizona. Was it Arizona? It was it. Was it Arizona? It was Arizona. You're going to be better than me at remembering this. Was it Arizona? I'm pretty sure it was Arizona. Chat, help us out. Every Washington. No, I don't know. Who knows? No, nobody knows what it was. Anyways, chat will, chat will figure this out. I guarantee it. Uh, Alex Wallace, right in the chat immediately. Arizona, to be clear. Arizona. Um, sorry that my brain's just mush. But, uh, but that was a big-time home run. And, boy, he looked like he was just pissed running around the bases. I wish you I, I wish you'd have gave the double people, bird straight to David Bell on the way in. That would have been the that would have been the highlight of the season. I could feel it. I mean, he didn't have to give it. You could you could sense that it was there. Uh, yeah, that that's a good point on Sinzel. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I should be a little more worried about Winker. I he didn't. The Reds played him a lot last year, and I, I wasn't ever too worried. I mean, I think my biggest fear is is can he draw a walk? Um, but but Nixon's hell, it would not shock me the least bit if he, he has seven extra base hits in that three game series. Does he get a? Does he get a? Um, does Nixon Zell get a like a faint cheer when he comes to the plate? Does he get booed? What happens? Does nothing happen? I I, I think he gets a cheer. I think he gets a cheer. I think Weaker gets a cheer. I think the only player that's not going to get a cheer is is uh, is Mike Mustakis if he hasn't retired yet, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why anyone would boo Nixon Zell. I don't. I'd be kind of weak sauce, in my opinion. Even better questions in the chat. Any of these guys going to get a video board tribute before they step up to the plate? Well, yeah, Sinzel already got one last year, didn't he? No, he got it he in got the off season on social media. On I'm talking about the. I'm talking about when you walk up to the plate and you know you're like Winker, hey. Winker got one. Winker got one. Yeah, he'll get. He'll get a tribute. They already have that on file. I mean, that's just... They, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they don't even need to make it up. They just need to rerun yeah. rerun the clip. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. All right. Joined now by Chris Welsh, who is live in Goodyear, Arizona, on the Day Pitchers and Catchers Report. Chris, how's the vibes down in Goodyear? Well, the vibe, I guess, is the same way it's been all winter long, Nick. People are excited about this ball club. Uh, I had some conversations with uh, some of the top decision makers yesterday, and they're very happy with the way the winter went, considering what was out there and what they were able to spend and who they got and certainly who they're bringing back, uh, the young players looking for them to take the next step. That's probably the the biggest thing that I think that everybody's going to be excited about. Talking about the new players, Emilio Pagan, 
Nick Martinez, Frankie Montas. What's your initial impressions of those guys? I think those were all good deals, to be honest with you. Let's go to Montas first. I, I've not seen Montas yet. That's one of the reasons I came over here today. Now, keep in mind the position players uh, have not officially reported yet. So behind me, there's some batting practice going on. Ellie De La Cruz was in the cage. I think Nick Martini was in the cage, a couple of other guys. Those guys are just kind of here early to kind of get into the flow of things. Um, but I've not seen Montas. I know he's around here somewhere. I'll run him down. But from what I've talked to, I talked to Derek Johnson, the pitching coach, and talked to Nick Craw a little bit and other people. They're, they're excited about him. They think that, you know, he's going to be uh, healthy. Uh, and if he's healthy, he's going to be able to put up the kind of numbers he did previously in his career. And I think that at his age, you know, he's probably looking for one more big contract. And this is a year in which he's motivated to try to get out there and get after it. Uh, the other guys I haven't met either, except for Pagan. I did meet him yesterday. Very nice young man. Uh, I, I like his approach to pitching. Uh, he talked a little bit about his stuff. Um, and uh, Martinez I've not seen, but uh, I understand that he's one guy that's going to be very important to this pitching staff. The three guys going into last year, pitching-wise, that the Reds had such high expectations for, uh, some good moments, some tough moments, especially injury-wise. What do you think Hunter Green... Nick Lodolo and Graham Ashcraft have to do to take that next step this season? They have to learn how to pitch. And remember that it's it's more and more difficult in today's game for a pitcher to come up out of the minor leagues knowing how to pitch. Because if you think how pitchers are being evaluated in the minor leagues, it's not in their performances. It used to be, you know, way back in the day that, you know, your win-loss record, your earned run average, how many strikeouts you'd have, those are the indicators, how many innings you would pitch, how many times you would get yourself out of trouble once you got into trouble. Those are the things that evaluators use to determine whether a guy is ready for the big leagues or not. Now you're being evaluated by the analytics that are on an iPad. You know, did you get your spin rate? Uh, uh, is your BAA right? Uh, what, what about your, your, your breaking pitch? Is it the right spin at the right speed? Uh, if you're trying to throw a you know, um, a slurve or something like that. I mean, are you do, are you doing the things that we're trying to get you to do from the analytics department? And that's why you're seeing so many pitchers come up in the major leagues now with great stuff, but have no idea how to read hitters, how to set guys up. And the other thing about that is, is that very rarely do you see in the minor leagues pitchers allowed to work themselves out of jams in the fifth or sixth inning. Because once you get the 75 pitches, they're down there looking at the bullpen, and so is the manager. You know, the manager doesn't want to be blamed for hurting arms, so he's going to get guys out of there. And But the problem with that is you don't learn how to get out of a jam. You don't learn what it's like to face a guy the third time in the order. You just learn about your stuff. So these young pitchers that you just mentioned have to learn about themselves. They have to learn what it takes to get a guy out in a pressure situation. They have to learn what happens when a guy is late on the fastball or early on the breaking ball how you go ahead and bury it on them. And uh, those are the things that come with experience. And uh, it's not always easy. It's not always a direct line. But uh, the guys that you just mentioned, and those top three young prospects are, are really good. And they've got a chance to be able to, to figure that out in a hurry. So there's one guy that's got a little bit of uh, publicity this offseason. I know he's kind of become a stat cast guy that, that people have kind of uh, gone to. And that's Fernando Cruz and his splitter. What was your thoughts on him, a guy that kind of, Barely made the opening day roster, and then at times last year was really dominant. You know, I've always liked Cruz because one way that I scout pitchers is I watch the hitter. And I'll sit rather than right behind home plate because I can get all that information on StatCast. But I'll sit along the sideline, maybe, you know, from the dugout view and see whether a hitter is on time or not. If a hitter is on time, he's seeing the ball well. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you throw 100 miles an hour or not. If he's fouling a straight back with great swings, man, you better mix it up a little bit. Cruz has the ability to, to go extremes, uh, you know, low to mid-90s in his fastball. And then that, that filthy, it's not even a split finger. It's, it's more of, a, of a, a knuckling forkball where he crams that ball all the way back in the, in the V between his index finger and his middle finger. And that comes out of there. Sometimes it tumbles. Sometimes it spins from side to side like a you know, ball that will just sink uh, unnaturally. And, uh, you know, as long as he throws strikes, uh, he's shown 
that uh, he's got perseverance. I mean, I, li- I love his story. I love the guy as an individual, and uh, he's easy to root for. So, Chris, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at the Reds roster and the pitchers that are coming to camp and realize there's more pitchers in those roster spots. What do you think about the competition this spring that really we haven't seen in a long time from the Reds pitching staff? You're right. I mean, the competition with good pitchers. I mean, I've been around here so long. I remember the Reds would come to camp, and they're looking for three starters out of basically the, the bottom pile somewhere. And uh, now you've got pitchers that have had big league experience. you got 10 of them, I think, in camp that are, could be starters that have big league experience. So that's a really an edge up on a lot of other ball clubs. Reds realize that they have to develop their own talent, and they're on a high riding tide right now. Uh, so I think that's very important. But at the same time, uh, you, we're going to see, and we're going to hear this word more this year than ever before, options. Those pitchers and players that have options are easy to send out. You're not going to lose them to another ball club. So whenever there's a tough decision to be made by a front office, they're going to take the easiest way out. And that is make sure that we keep the player that we send down to the minor leagues and that we don't lose somebody through a waiver claim that we really like. And you're going to see that crunch time all the way down. Uh, and I would suggest that it doesn't matter how some of these guys pitch in spring training, if they've got options left, they're going to be down in AAA. Chris, what do you think about that? Sometimes maybe sacrificing a couple weeks or at a time while you're maybe almost waiting for the inevitable injury to happen where you kind of have a lesser pitcher. Can you tolerate that? Because I know some baseball fans, man, that really irks them. I think a bigger mistake is making decisions based on spring performances. I mean, you're looking at me right now. I was a Hall of Fame spring training pitcher, I can tell you. Uh, when I came in as a, as a non-roster player with the Reds, I gave up back-to-back doubles to the first two batters I faced. One of them was Billy Bean, by the way. And I probably should have quit right then and there. But uh, I, then I went on to pitch another, I think, 15 innings and did not allow a batter to reach second base. Didn't walk a batter all spring. I mean, I, I was the best pitcher in camp, and I was the last guy cut when Mario Soto was able to make his start, the opening day start. Uh, they go ahead and they, they sent me down to minor league. So uh, I think that one of the biggest mistakes you can do is base your judgment on the quality of a player, on what he does down here in March, because it is so different here in March. You see veteran hitters are trying to get their ABs in. They're not grinding out at bats. You're not playing in situations where you have to get a guy out. You're pitching and playing for yourself, not necessarily the good of the ball club because wins and losses don't mean anything. So don't get wrapped up in in the month of March because, um, you know, let's go through And I think this is something right up your alley. Uh, You could go back to the last five or six years, maybe 10 years, and find out who the best hitter in camp was every year. And I love to see that list of names because half these guys are probably out selling hush puppies right now. So, Chris, what young pitchers maybe, I know this is only the first day of camp, but what young pitchers have maybe really impressed you the most? Yeah, it's hard for me to tell you anybody who's not been in the big leagues because I haven't seen these young pitchers except on video. Uh, I go really more by what coaches and scouts tell me on some of these guys. But I do like to see them in spring training. But the guys I saw in the big leagues last year that were very impressive to me, I mean, Hunter Green, obviously, he's got great stuff. He's got to learn how to pitch. That's bottom line there. I mean, he's got too good of stuff to get hit around. And I think that he's going to be better and better the more uh, experience he gets. I think that uh, Abbott uh, was exceptional last year. I think he's got a very high ceiling. Uh, Ashcraft has got a chance to be another Corbin Burns in my mind. I mean, those are three guys right there. And I I wouldn't look past a a pitcher like Williamson. Um, I I love his changeup. I love his nice, easy delivery uh, where the ball just kind of comes out of his hand. Uh, as a surprise to the hitters. And then he's got that changeup to follow up. It's got really nice diving action. And he's got great action on his arms with it because he sells it like a fastball. So those are the, the three guys that jump out at me. And I'm not over, you know, I'm, I'm overlooking a whole bunch of other pitchers as well. But uh, those are the guys I think that'll be most interested to watch. Lodolo, obviously, has got to be in that mix because we missed him almost all of last year. Um, he's got to figure out a way to stay healthy. And You know, if they are healthy, they've got a chance to be really good. You mentioned Lodolo. What's the the mental hurdle that maybe a guy like Lodolo has to go through? 
after kind of having so many just he's had a lot of really small injuries he's had some blisters had a few things like with his shoulder but what's the the mental side of it getting into spring training for him i think he's got to have confidence that he's 100 percent and he can cut it loose and i don't mean only cutting it loose on his fastball i mean cutting it loose all the time um you know, when he's doing his infield drills, fire that ball across the infield. When he's, uh, you know, throwing his breaking pitch in the game, I mean, really get on it. Not just flip it up there because maybe in the back of your mind you're thinking you're going to hurt yourself one way or another. So you, you can't play this game with fear. You know, there's an, old, there's an old saying in baseball that if you're scared, go get a dog. And uh, he can't play the game with fear, neither can anyone else, and the best players don't. All right, you mentioned it. Ellie De La Cruz was uh, already at camp. How's Ellie look? <laughs> he looks he looks bigger than he did last year. I think the kid's still growing, to be honest with you. You know, here, here's a tip for you that I heard, and I was just watching him. I'm not sure if he's in the batting cage right now or not. He's not. I'm not sure where Ellie went. But I can tell you that uh, uh, you're going to see a different swing from Ellie De La Cruz this year. You're not going to see the uh, uh, the leg lift. Uh, he's he's uh, worked this winter at kind of being a little bit more quiet with his front side. And that's going to help him stay back a little bit because that was a big problem for Ellie. Um, you know, his ability to, to kind of uh, go to and fro with speed pitches and then slow pitches. You know, they got him thinking about the slow stuff and they throw the fastball by him. They get him thinking about the fastball and then he dropped that slow curveball on him. So uh, it's a matter of adjustment for Ellie. Young kid, great great stuff and, and you know, talent, obviously. But uh, you will definitely see a difference uh, right away in his approach, especially with his leg lift. All right, I'm sure the people want to know what other position players are already there. Well, I'm seeing right now uh, the, the the coach, uh, uh, the infield coach, Jeff Pickler. I'll turn this thing around, and as I walk over here at field number two, and uh, you'll see uh, Pickler. I think Matt McLean is out there. Uh, I saw Encarnacion Strand, but uh, here's McLean out there taking some ground balls uh, around the bag. And uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, I think that they've got McLean uh, penciled in to be an everyday second baseman, but they also realize that, you know, guys like De La Cruz are going to need some time off. So, you know, will McLean, who's a natural shortstop, run over there to shortstop when Ellie De La Cruz gets a day off? Uh, and who fills in at second base when McLean uh, gets a day off? Uh, where is India going to play? Is he going to play a little second base? Uh, in the infield, he may play some first base. They can play, play some outfield. Uh, and then you've got Candelario. So that's the whole, uh, you know, uh, Pandora's box that I just opened about playing time and players and how many you got and how many can play at one time and so on. Um, I do feel as an old school guy that you need to give some uh, lineup consistency where players know when they're going to play and who they're going to play against. It can't be a constant uh, manipulation of matchups every game of the year where a player doesn't know until maybe the night before whether he's playing or not. Um, so I think that, you know, in my mind, here's what managers need to do. Superstars give you great talent and great production all year long. But the superstars are only about 5% of the population of Major League Baseball. The rest of the guys... Uh, in the middle of the pack, will give you about four months out of six months. Really good baseball. They're really good for four. They're really bad for, for two. The, 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 uh, the challenge for the manager is to figure out when those two are going to happen and get them the hell out of the lineup. All right, Chris. Well, you are the absolute best. Thank you for giving us a, uh, a sneak peek behind the scenes at Goodyear, Arizona, here on the, uh, the opening day of, uh, of camp. Uh, Chris, take care. We'll catch up with you again soon. Always great to talk with you, Nick. Good luck to you. Well, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Chatterbox Reds. We really appreciate everyone who continues to support us. If you have not yet subscribed to Chatterbox Reds on your favorite podcast platform, you're going to want to make sure you do that now because during spring training and the regular season, we are the only Cincinnati Reds podcast that has new episodes after every single game. And we'll have plenty of additional content leading up to that. I also ask that you please leave us a five-star review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Can't tell you how much that really helps us to grow the show and continue to bring you more great content. Also, make sure you subscribe to Chatterbox Sports 
on YouTube. There's where you could join us live after every single Reds game and be a part of the conversation for all of our live shows. Hit that bell up in the top right corner on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. You'll get alerts and notifications on your phone whenever we go live. All right, before we let you go, I do want to tell you about some of the other great content that we have for you here on Chatterbox Sports. First off, our flagship show that is Off the Bench. Host Trace Fowler is uh, on every single day, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. They talk all things sports, so be sure to check out Off the Bench on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Also available everywhere you get podcasts. Then there's Chatterbox Bearcats. That's with Charlie Walter and his friend Houdini. They host a show covering UC sports. They go live on YouTube after every single UC basketball game. And you can find Chatterbox Bearcats everywhere that you get podcasts. Those guys also do another podcast called the Chatter Podcast, which is a little bit of sports, but a whole lot of fun. Be sure to check that out everywhere you listen to podcasts. That's called the Chatter. We also have additional content on YouTube. Reed and Elliot are doing a new little series called Chatterbox Reacts where they're doing some short videos about some of those interesting topics in sports. So that's, of course, on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. We have the Chatterbox Shop. That's on ChatterboxSports.com. We have all kinds of great merchandise for you. Uh, some Reds gear, some, some, some Chatterbox stuff, some just fun and interesting creations that they've come up with. All kinds of great shirts for everyone. So be sure to check out the Chatterbox Shop. That's on ChatterboxSports.com. We are uh, at Cbox Sports. That's at Cbox Sports on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, also known as X. We are Chatterbox Sports on Facebook, putting up a lot of content on there. So you can follow us on whatever platform that you like. You also have some really cool additional content in the works and some members-only streams. That's on our YouTube page on Chatterbox Sports. Links to all that stuff that I talked about. All the Chatterbox Sports shows and everything else is in the episode notes today. So be sure to check that out. Well, thanks again for tuning in. Hope that you have a fantastic day. And as always, and most importantly, go Reds.